On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, uh, you might want to buy up some Blu-rays at Best Buy because according to a report, Best Buy is not going to be selling physical media anymore. Also, because we can't have nice things, talks have broken down between the studios and the actors, and it doesn't look like there's going to be an end to the strike anytime soon. Also, Suits, you know, is like the number one show in the world and has been for months now, and now they are officially in development of a companion series. But don't get too excited. We'll explain why. Also, the Marvels, the upcoming MCU film, is heading to a not-so-great opening weekend, at least not for a Marvel film. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campy Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show podcast, coming to you from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campy, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, of course, but giving you some information and context so you guys can form your own opinions, whether they're the same or completely different than ours. Uh, joining me in here, I got Ray Aura. Yeah, what's up, players? <laughs> Jonathan Voiko's here. Hello. <laughs> I'll have something planned, and then he just throws me off. <laughs> Chris Carr I is here. I do greet you, fellow players. And <laughs> I, of course, am here, but most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here, making the show part of your day. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it into two parts. In the first part of the show, we're going to go over those predetermined topics that we just listed off. Now, in the second part of the show, we're going to take your questions and thoughts, opinions, and theories, whatever it is you guys have. Now, we already asked our beloved YouTube channel members to start sending in some topics, but if you happen to be watching live and you'd like to throw in a question, go ahead and use the super chat feature that there that is there in the live chat. Again, you have to be watching live in order to do that. All right. That down, guys. Let's get into it. We're going to start with this. The question about physical media and digital media rages on, but it looks like more and more, I mean, that battle is kind of moot because even now Best Buy is, according to reports, going to stop selling physical media. Best Buy, which, by the way, I didn't know this before, represents 45%. One outlet represents 45% of all physical media sales that still happen today. The other 55 is Robert Meyer Burnett. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. He's selling them out of the back of his car yeah. in the parking lot. Here he goes. You want a, you want a little uh, heat? So... <laughs> Uh, this is not good news at all, according to support. This comes to us from Engadget, who writes the following. To fight to keep DVD sales going, or I should say the fight to keep DVD sales going, is taking another big hit. Best Buy is allegedly ending all physical media sales. That means Blu-ray, DVD, and 4K Ultra HD, in-store and online, the digital bits uh, reported. Multiple sources claim that the move will occur in early 2024, possibly as soon as the first quarter. The news of Best Buy's decision comes only a few weeks after Netflix ended its 25-year DVD delivery service, sending out its final copies on September 29th. And, you know, it's really just been, if you are a physical media fan, a domino effect of horrors has been going on, right? Everything from the biggest manufacturers of Blu-ray content stopping production to then we just heard recently, like, Disney's no longer going to sell physical media to an entire continent, to Australia. Of course, the fact that Netflix's DVD services has now officially come to, to an end, even though most people 
thought it probably ended ages ago. And now the single biggest retailer of physical media, according to these reports at any rate, are no longer going to sell physical media. Now, look, when this discussion comes up about whether or not physical media is going away, and I've mentioned this before, people will kind of try to shift the conversation to should physical media go away? And listen, I'm not a physical media guy. I abandoned physical media a long time ago, and I've never regretted it. It's been happiness and sunshine ever since for me. But even I recognize the inherent value of still having physical media out there. But, I mean, it's just a ticking clock. Like, as Robert Meyer Burnett has often pointed out, it's at an exponential rate that it's disappearing every year. And having the biggest retail of physical media Again, if this report coming out of Egg and Gadget is true, then I don't see physical media being available for three more years. Like, I think maybe in the next three years you can pick up some physical media somewhere, but without Walmart there, 45% of the market gone. Now, that'll create a boon to Redbox for a little while. They still exist. That'll create a little bit of a boon for maybe Target, but there have been reports coming out that they're going to start phasing out physical media as well. I mean, Chris, I don't know if there has been a bigger, larger, louder death knell for physical media than this report. Like mm -hmm. even I think it was at Samsung that got out of the Blu-ray manufacturing business, one of the big companies. That was big. Mm -hmm. I think this is bigger. What's your reaction to this? Well, I do know back in August, Walmart mm -hmm. was in talks of picking up some DVD distribution. So physical media could be moving to those kind of big overstock kind of stores like a Walmart, like a Target, like Costco even. Yeah. But yeah, Costco. Ooh, yeah. those rotisserie chickens and those TVs. <laughs> and the hot dogs. If you want a hot dog and an 85-inch screen TV, go That's Costco. That's the place to go. It's the best day ever. The death of physical media, though, it, it's sad, but it makes sense. You know, in business, it's all about supply and demand, and there just has not been the demand for physical media. What's upsetting about it, though, is the thought that certain things now will never be accessible again. Mm. Anything that was a straight to streaming piece, you know, the world according to Jeff Goldblum. I love that show. I will never be able to watch that. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum might not be able to watch that. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so that's one of the things that's very upsetting is, is the idea that art was created in this vacuum that then just kind of imploded into itself like a dwarf star. <laughs> that's very upsetting to just no longer think that something can exist anymore. Um, because that's not the nature of art. Art is meant to be seen. Whether or not everyone likes it, enjoys it, that's up for the person who's experiencing it, right? But I think it still deserves the the chance to be seen and exist. So that's the only part that I get really hung up on of, oh, wow, there's just this void where something used to be then. But if people aren't buying DVDs, if we have this laptop has no disk drive in it, you know, I have to plug something in. We don't make tech that plays and supports these and we don't have people clamoring for them every year. So I understand it, but it still makes me a little sad. You know, it's funny, piggybacking on what you said, it's almost like the the promise of streaming. One of the promises of streaming when it was coming out was that everything will always be available. It's just got to sit on a hard drive somewhere. Mm -hmm. And if I want to watch the Pirates of Penzance, I, I will be able, and I'm not talking about the original, I'm talking about like the early 1980s remake. I should be able to just hop online, find it somewhere, and it'll be there. Of course- <laughs> We were so young and naive. We didn't realize yeah. that licensing fees and all this kind of stuff, that it would actually cost well, the studios money. That's just it, right? Because like you could you could say, like, well, the Disney vault or Paramount Plus has the Paramount vault. 
But Paramount is one of those where I feel like might be consolidated into a larger streamer someday. And then you have to license it out. Mm -hmm. And so now that vault is scattered. So, and, and the thing is, like, they just, I think they just revealed the new PS5, the new slim version. Yeah. The, the actual um, drive, the disk drive is actually a, an attachment that you buy now. Well, um, hasn't the PS5 from the beginning been, you have your version without the disk you drive You have one at all? with and without. Because yeah, yeah, even games, you don't need the disks anymore. You can just download them from their servers. But now it's just, you buy the digital and I believe it's not, you not have even, to put the attachment yeah. on there in order. So it's like an option now and it's there's not like a pre-made console. Yeah. It's an actual attachment. It makes so. sense because now they can sell those attachments or just sell you the digital version. Yeah. You know what? They should, be because of the importance of the arc, I can't help but feel like maybe they should pass some sort of law that says, look, if you if a piece of uh, entertainment is created under the auspices of the MPAA or the MPTP, whatever, that there's some sort of law that that has to be in some way, shape or form made available to people in perpetuity. Yeah. Like something like not that HBO Max has to have it on Max and pay out whatever fees, but like maybe the MPTP should do something constructive and come together and say, we're going to create a vault depository mm -hmm. of all the stuff that we don't carry on our individual's things, but they can still exist over here for a fee or something. I, let, I don't know. I would like to see something like that happen. Let public libraries have them. Yeah. Let, let public libraries have access to certain types of media that's no longer streamed at other places. Oh, and that way it's great. accessible to people. All right, guys. AMPTP, let me fix all your problems. <laughs> With that down, speaking of the AMPTP, <laughs> let's move on to this, shall we? Oh, naive fools like me. We're starting to feel real optimistic after the writer's strike was done that maybe we could get a quick resolution to the actor's strike. Well, that ain't happening because it looks like the two have never been further apart. And that is, happens to be the topic of today's Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. Listen, guys, if you've got a question for the show and like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our Mint Mobile hotline anytime, 24 hours a day at 951 268 Four two five nine. Every day we pick out one or two questions to address, and today's is about the status of the actor strike. Check it out. Hey, John and crew, this is Kenyon again from Columbia, South Carolina. I just got an alert on my phone this morning from the New York Times that the talks between the studios and the actors have collapsed. Just saying that they're still far apart on key issues. I'm just wondering what happened if the writers just ratified a new three-year contract on Monday. And the Actors Guild usually follows suit in negotiations according to the trends that we've seen. What happened, and do you think we can get this back on track? Thanks, and bring on the filthy. All right, Kenyon, thanks a lot for sending that in. And um, bewildered, disillusioned, and feeling kind of hopeless. That's what I, as a, as a film fan, am kind of feeling right now. Because I have gone from feeling like, this thing's going to get wrapped up real soon, to I... I don't see the finish line like that. That's how bad I think it is right now. I simply do not see the finish line. I no longer believe like I thought any minute now this is going to end. I no longer believe there's any hope this is going to be done before 2024. Oh. Now, not, not that anybody's told me that. I'm just saying that's how I'm feeling. OK, I'm hurting stress eating over here. Um, Same, buddy. Same. <laughs> and here's the thing. Now, like you like you said, man, I agree. It felt like when the writers got a deal that maybe a template could be laid out and some momentum. And for a while, it looked like that's what was happening, right? 
a lot of momentum started happening. The the writers, or sorry, I should say the actors and the studios were meeting, if not every day, they were meeting every other day. They were, it seemed like everybody was committed to getting in the room and talking, hanging out issues. It sounded like they might be getting a little bit closer and a little bit closer and stuff like that. Now, the key thing to remember here though, is that there are many similarities between a lot of the stuff that the writers were looking for and stuff that the actors are looking for. And so there, I'm sure a lot of progress has been made because the writers already got a deal. But there are a couple of areas of stark difference between, by nature, what it is the writers were wanting and needing and what the actors are wanting and needing, right? AI has been an issue for both, but the implications of AI on writers is different than what the implication of AI can be on the actors. Also, there's the issue of residuals. Now, why they did create and establish a model for residuals for the writers, I remember we said on this show, I don't know that that model they came up with is going to be one that works for the actors. So that may become a bit of a sticking point. And sure enough, from everybody I've talked to at any rate, and I'm not in the room, okay? So everybody knows I'm not in the room where it happened. So, but from what it appears to be, and from all the people I've spoken to, it really comes down to two issues. And I don't see either side budging on either one of the issues. And quite frankly, I think each side has taken an issue and is acting like complete fucking jackasses. Let's start with the jackasses at the AMPTP, shall we? It's great that they were able to come to some understanding with the writers about AI. But the existential threat to actors that AI represents is different than the threat it represented to, to writers. They needed entirely new solutions for that. Because as of right now, if the studio, the stu, this is what the studios want, basically. They want to hire an actor to come onto a show for a day and say, oh, but by the way, by being on our show, we have in perpetuity rights to your likeness. We can re-digitize the sound of your voice and we can use it in any and all other media we ever want to do. Now, if we're talking about using the character, like your character is going to be, you know, made into an animated character on a video game or something like that, uh, there's some discussion to be had there. But I mean, literally, did Henry Cavill get paid for his appearance in The Flash? I don't know the answer to that. I'm willing to bet you he didn't, though. Did Christopher Reeves' estate get any payment for Christopher Reeves popping up and showing up in Flash? Maybe they did, and I just don't know about it. That's, I'm not saying it's impossible that they did, but I'm willing to bet they didn't. And that is just a microcosm of what the studios want. They want to be able to go, hey, we'll just use, like, we'll make one movie with Ryan Gosling called The Attack of the Butt Sniffers. We'll make one, right? Ryan Gosling would be a big hit in it. But you know what? Why pay Ryan Gosling $10 million again for the sequel? We'll just use the digital image and make it. That may seem impossible today, but that day's coming that they could do it. And the actors, rightly so, are drawing a line in the sand and saying, uh, no. And it is, look, I get the deep down desire if you're the studio to want to have that arrangement, just like I understand the deep down desire to rob a bank. But it is completely asinine of what it is the studios are asking for. Look, the studios are going to need to have some protections, yes, to be able to use a likeness here or there for some little thing here, a little thing. I get it. There's negotiations to be had there, whatever. But this blanket thing of we want to be able to use the digital imagery of an actor, no, that's just stupid. 
It's just stupid and they need to take it off the table. And, and, and I don't think they will. I think they got their heels so dug, dug in on this AI thing. I don't think they are going to budge. At least not until it really hurts. And until that gets done, there's not going to be an actor's deal. So that's the one thing. Then the second issue that's different is the issue of, it doesn't even feel right to call it residuals because what the writers got isn't really a residual, it's a bonus. It's bonus. Yeah. And what they're really negotiating, and I get it because the model of residuals doesn't apply to the world of streaming. So what they're trying to come up as a replacement for residuals with the actors is gonna look completely different. But man, things took a turn for the stupid the other night. When, and I'm gonna read this from NBC News. And I said, I'll set up the quote here. Basically, um, the studios, as has been going on, you know, offer, counteroffer, 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 counteroffer. They've been trying to get together a closer on things. Well, I guess the studios put together a proposal that was something that looked like the writer's deal in a what they called a success-based bonus system, right? And then the actors came back with something so profoundly idiotic and offensive. Um, I, I just don't blame the studio for walking away from the table. And that's what they did. The, the studios got up and walked away. They said, look, we can't even talk to you if you're going to do this. So this comes to us from NBC News. Uh, the union president, uh, Fran Drescher, said, it really came as a shock to me because what exactly does that mean, you know, getting up and suspending negotiations? And why would you walk away from the table? It's not like we're asking you for anything that's so outrageous. Yes, they were. Let's just be clear about that. Yes, they were. Um, it's so wrong and it's so unfair uh, that they walked out of the meeting and so disrespectful. Uh, you know, we're, you know uh, when I was there, I mean, they talk at you. They don't really want to hear what you have to say or what you're saying. The AMPTP did not immediately respond to NBC News, a request for comment. The Alliance represents NBC Universal, the parent company of NBC News. They're making that clear. Just hours before Drescher spoke out, and or sorry, Netflix CEO Ted uh, Sarandos, who is kind of everybody on both sides acknowledged might be one of the main problems of this whole situation mm -hmm. is Ted. Anyway, uh, Netflix CEO Ted Sarandos addressed the stalled talks at the Bloomberg Screen Time Conference in California. This is what he said. He said, we had very productive talks going, and then what kind of happened last night? They introduced this levy on subscribers. It just felt like a bridge too far to add this deep into the negotiations. All right. So for, for those of you who didn't know what the basic premise on the table was, SAG introduced this idea that all streamers should pay tribute to SAG by giving them 57 cents for every subscriber that they have. In as asinine as I think the studios have, are being in the AI situation, I think it's equally as asinine that they came to this because Fran Drescher said, I'm just going to repeat something that she already write here. It's not like we're asking for anything outrageous. Um, it's so wrong, it's so fair. They walked out of a meeting, it's so disrespectful. I'll tell you what, if I was in that room, if I was a streamer and they brought that in this late in the game, not only would I have suspended, I would have thrown over the table and I would have spit in her face. Because this, when you bring something like that in this late, that tells me you don't want the negotiations to work. And you know what? Maybe they don't. Maybe there's a higher level strategy behind the scenes here, which we're going to find out if that plays out later on that may be beneficial. Who knows? But like when, you, when you're going back and forth, going back and forth, going back and forth, and you come to the studios and we're talking about the streamers who have spent years risking tens of billions of dollars desperately trying to grow these things, all of which none have been profitable except for Ted's. 
But that took Ted's company, Netflix, over a decade to become profitable. They were losing billions every year for year after year. And then you come to the table with something that you know full goddamn well is a non-starter and saying, you're going to pay us a cut of every subscriber that you have. Fuck you. No chance in hell. And Fran Drescher, as much as we tease her demeanor and how she words things sometimes, she ain't stupid. You don't become president of SAG by being dumb. Yeah, we, we joke and laugh about her, you know, um, her quirkiness, yes. But she's not dumb. She knew very well that bringing something that preposterous to the table this late in the game, after you've been talking for a couple of weeks and making progress and all of a sudden, oh, by the way, I want to sleep with your mother. She's taken. She knew she's taken. She knew goddamn well that was going to be a non-star. And then to clutch your pearls and act all surprised. What? They walked away. First of all, SAG should have walked away with the studios not budging on the AS stuff because that's a no-go. Like that, that bullshit's got to stop. So they should have walked away themselves. But don't act all surprised when you come into the room and say, oh yeah, give me a cut, and that they walk away. Of course they walked away. You knew they were going to walk away. So you could get on camera and say, I'm just so shocked that they walked away. Of course they walked away. You knew they were going to walk away. Any rational person would have walked away. Because as Ted said, who is probably the biggest problem in this entire negotiation is dead. So when the guy who's the biggest problem is saying the thing that kind of makes sense, that's a bad thing. When he says that was a bridge too far, like there's no point in talking to you. If you're going to come in weeks into these negotiations, as we're all trying to make progress together, and you're going to drop that on the table? So you got these two issues, the AI thing, which there is no way in hell this site should ever compromise on. And you got this, I, I, don't, I can't even call it a residual thing because it's not a residual, but we'll just say the back-end finances. The back-end finances situation, which doesn't look like anybody's going to move. And I got to tell you, my optimism has been replaced by complete and utter skepticism. I, I no longer believe this is going to get done anytime soon. Anytime soon. This isn't going to happen. So, uh, Chris, give me a reason to feel hopeful here. Because mm-hmm. right now, uh, I'm not Santa Claus handing out the hope baskets. I'm, I'm feeling no. pretty dark. I'm You're feeling Krampus pretty negative. right now, man. I, uh, yeah. I, is, this, is this a temporary spat that they're actually going to be able to work through in the coming weeks? Or... I don't know. What do you think? I really think so. Uh, Everyone in the WGA keeps cheering us on in SAG saying, hey, this is what happened to us. They stonewalled us. And a month later, we finally got to have actual real negotiations. When we came back to that table a second time, just like you guys, they didn't give us anything. They weaponized what we were saying. And we held fast and we want you guys to do the same. We'll still be on the picket lines with you. Uh, To be clear for anyone who wanted to join uh, picketing today, that has been canceled um, just because um, most counties and everything, because of everything with Hamas, I don't want to get political or anything, but people are being urged to not take to the streets today because they have urged people to take to the streets. So don't do that. Um, Here's the thing. Under 57 cents per subscriber with Teddy Boy telling me that me and my ilk are, are... putting a levy on his subscribers. It doesn't really sit too well with me because he's, a little guy. he's just a little guy. He's just <laughs> a little guy. Let's, let's be clear. That is a shady son of a bitch right there. Yeah. Ted is a shady so son of a bitch. So many of the problems have been because of Netflix and Amazon. Can I yes, just say, really it have. looks like he's been squeezed in that box Loki uh, tortured ah. X5 with. <laughs> so, uh, 
I can understand why someone might see that as highway robbery. But 57 cents per subscriber, under 57%, uh, 57 cents per, per, per subscriber, then divvied out between us based on how involved we are in something, our, our own negotiations, everything. It's not like each of us gets that per subscriber. That then gets divvied out for all yeah, of if us. If I understood it right, the payment under the proposal would literally be a check cut to SAG itself. That's what I thought. And then SAG itself would distribute it. We have to figure out a way to do the residuals. We we really just do because we're part of this process and there's a way to do it. And if you don't like this way, counter it, counter it. Don't walk away and then go tell the trades, which you own, how SAG's being ridiculous and SAG is doing this and conflating the number we asked for initially by 60%. That's not okay. If you want to have a discussion, have a discussion. And maybe this is why... I, I like a negotiation. I love them. People get awkward about them. I think it's fun to just be like, tell me what's fair and reasonable. Let's go. Let's figure this out together. Especially compounded with all of the AI stuff here. That is truly outrageous of like, no, no, no. You should sign a waiver that says we own your likeness in perpetuity. So ridiculous. Bananas. So ridiculous. This is something though that I feel like we really can come together on because, and I know a lot of people are going to roll this their eyes at this, but it, it is a risk for an actor every time you take a project. Every single time, because we have so little control. So when I agree to go do something, I do not know what the finished product is going to look like. I don't know how much I'm in that finished product or if I'm in it at all. And when I've done that, I've also turned down other roles that I physically could not go to or that were in conflict with what I was doing. Let me play devil's advocate for a second, though. Can't you oh, say the you same of anybody working in any trade that by taking this job, I can't take that other job. I By taking this job, I don't know what the end result's going to be. I'm just being paid to bring my skills to it for the day and I'm going to get paid a rate. Like, So if you if you work at a job and then they let you go or something like that, right? And you, it doesn't work out between you, you still get to have that job on your resume. Which technically, because I've booked something, I can do that. I booked the job. But I have nothing to show for it if they cut all of my footage. I can't go... Oh, hey, here, an actual example is I was in a Star Wars commercial that got, I got cut out of. And while that was great to tell people I booked the Star Wars commercial, I had nothing to show for it. So it meant absolutely nothing in my career of like, yeah, this casting company likes me, but they cut me for time. When you're Did a, you still get paid? I still got paid I, for I, my That's day. not a rhetorical question. No, I, I'm just wondering. I got paid for the day. Okay. I had to join my union because I was a must join at that point. I got no residuals ever because I was cut from it. So it was a very, very bad day to be a Chris Carr because I got my, my day player rate and nothing else. And I saw that commercial play every day, multiple times a day, and it broke my heart. <laughs> but that's also part of this business, right? But I also couldn't tell people, hey, but you got to trust me. I was really great in that Star Wars part. Uh, commercial that I got cut from. As far as like opportunities for being recast, because you don't, you have no one saying, "I loved her in that; she'd be great for this." Exactly. So we're like my eHarmony e commercial. It was so easy to pitch me for stuff where it was, "Oh yeah, she's the lead in this commercial. Look at her play Three Ages." There we go. It's different because I have to show my work in a very different way than some other careers. Not all careers, but some. So that's part of this issue here too. I understand being heated about this. I have a very personal vetted interest in this. Uh, being a voice actor, I've been very fortunate because the the things are the terms are different for auditioning for uh, television, animation, video games. For well, now, you at least have, you have stresses coming at you on both sides yeah. right now because there's the acting with the studios strike and there's a looming video, video game, game strike strike as well at the same time. Um, and so I'm. I've got a commercial at the end of the month and I did an audio book thing earlier and I'm just hoping that yeah. I can I can stay the course. 
I do think cooler heads need to prevail here. I understand everyone getting heated, but I think too, if we listen to Duncan Crabtree Ireland, who has been the chief negotiator for SAG, he is, Fran's great, Fran's very passionate. Duncan, I think, does a really great job of breaking things down in that cooler head manner though too, of listen, here are the things that we need to come to terms on. And it's really a shame that they walked away from this table. And I really hope we get back to that table because we need to sort these things out, especially when the AMPTP keeps saying things like, it's all about getting people back to work. Well, then don't walk away, Ted and company. Well, I mean, look, I, I've got a, a bit of a personal thing on that too. There was, I won't say which company, I won't say which year, but I remember I was in a negotiation with a talent uh, to, to bring a talent over and it was going pretty well. And we were getting right close to the finish, like so close to the finish line, we were starting to make arrangements and all that kind of stuff. And at the 11th hour, they came to me and said they also wanted a car. And I just remember going, huh, you didn't mention this three weeks ago. You purposefully just held on to that now because you might think it's too late for us to, to break these negotiations and we're going to have to go for it. No. And I shocked them by saying, we're done. We're just completely done. Now, eventually we got some stuff worked out, but I, I just remember somebody like through all that. Cause to me, like, I look at that thing, like, look, offer, counteroffer, 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 but offer, asking for some kind of cut or levy on subscribers on the streaming service, they had to know that was completely unreasonable. Yeah. Like that was unreasonable. We haven't had a wage increase since 1988. And that needs to change. Yeah. Like I I, I look at the day rates sometimes of like a lot of like this, we're not talking about movie stars. We're talking about the daily actors and the day rates that they're making. And when I see that in some circumstances, somebody working at Arby's is making more on mm -hmm. their day than an actor is. That's got to change. That, I mean, like that fundamentally has to change. Arby's is pretty good, man. Arby's, but Arby's they is have pretty the good. They no, got no, the meats. No dissing yeah. on Arby's by any stretch of the make. They do have the meats. That Star Wars commercial, my day rate, after I paid my manager, my agent, and my taxes, I could not pay an LA power bill with it. It's, it's not enough. It's just not enough. I worked for less than minimum wage. Yeah, and that's, that's fundamentally got. There's so much on the table. I, I hope you're right. I hope some kind of, but oh, I, I just don't see This is also why though. Remember how I was like, I got a friend at Disney and they're saying yeah, they're yeah, prepping yeah, yeah, for yeah. show. They were like, I, Chris, I don't know what's happening. Like we're still prepping like this is starting. No, and actually, so, I think that Zazlab and Iger are going to have a talk with Sarandos because they have been pushing stream, like pushing ahead on these talks with, they got it through with WGA. I, th I, I think they're going to come back to the drawing board. I, I don't think that Iger and Zazlab are going to sit down for this. No, I mean, they're also they're not going to agree. No, 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 no. Thing, no they're not going to agree to that. Mm. But they're going to say, yeah, but we can't suspend talks. Like, I, yeah. I just hope that because, I mean, those two issues that the whatever residuals will look like and the AI issue. I mean, these these are uh, what's the word I'm looking for? These are deal breaker issues. Yeah, I think both of those issues are deal breaker sure. issues. And they've I, I I just have no hope anymore, Chris. I've no, I don't no. believe Deadpool 3 is coming out till 2028. No. I mean, maybe, but no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Guys, with that down, we still have to talk about Suits. The number one show in the world for months is now getting a companion series. That word companion series is interesting, though, so don't get your hopes too high. Also, the Marvels is coming out. 
but not to a great opening weekend, according to the studies right now. But we're going to get to that stuff in just a second. First, we're going to take a moment here and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast. The most comfortable shoes I've ever owned at Vessi and the folks doing great work over at BetterHelp. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Vessi. Now, you guys know I'm not exactly the most fashion conscious guy in the world, but I love a great pair of shoes that are comfortable and I can wear almost anywhere. And growing up in Canadian winters when my feet got wet a lot, waterproof would be nice too. Enter Vessi. They make the claim that they're not just fashionable and super comfortable, they're also waterproof. Now, you guys remember, when I got my first pair of Vessis, I put them to the ultimate waterproof test. I actually stuck my foot in my pool, my feet stayed dry, and the shoes stayed dry. Incredible. And they're the most comfortable pair of shoes I ever owned. Well, that made me want another pair. So I got another pair of Vessis that look great and just equal that world-class comfort that I got from that first pair shoes. They are absolutely my favorite shoes that I've ever owned. Imagine your favorite sneaker style supercharged with waterproof technology and unmatched comfort. No matter how you like to stay active, Vessi has the shoes for you. Trail-ready high tops, effortless slip-ons, and classic court shoes, all with a waterproof twist. They are just as comfortable and stylish as your favorite sneakers, but even more versatile. So guys, if you're anything like me and you want the most comfortable pair of shoes that look great, that you can take out hiking, wear to work, go to the gym, or walk through the water and snow, go to Vessi.com slash Campia and get yourself a pair today. Go to Vessi.com slash Campia and get 15% off your order using the code Campia. Hey guys, we want to thank a sponsor of today's video, Better help. You guys know that I've been saying for a long time that it's time for us to start prioritizing mental health in our lives. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I've pointed this out many times, but we as adults know that we need to prioritize our physical health and so we encourage each other and cheer each other on when we take steps for improving our physical health, like going to the gym. Well, it's time that we prioritize our mental health the same way. We need to encourage each other to take those steps and encourage ourselves to do that as well. So guys, take that step in prioritizing your mental health by going to BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash campia today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Vessi and BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, that down. Let's get into this, shall we? Suits, which has been like the number one show in the world for a record setting 12 weeks in a row, is apparently getting a companion series developed by NBC Universal. Now, this comes to us from the Hollywood Reporter who write the following. After a summer of breaking streaming records, Suits may be opening some new offices. Series creator Aaron Korsh is in the early stages of developing a show set in the world of his USA Network legal drama for NBC Universal. But it's not a reboot or a sequel. Instead, the potential series would feature new characters and a new setting, similar to other multi-show franchises, whether there would be any crossover potential with the original is a question for much further down the road. Los Angeles is the most likely setting for the project, sources say. All right. So for those of you who might have missed this, we talked about it the other day. Suits, like five years after it went off air, 
has been the number one streaming show for 12 weeks straight, setting a brand new record. It's crazy. I'm one of those people. I started watching it probably in the, before it became the number one show again, but it, it was starting to become hot. So I jumped on, started watching it. Love this show. It's so good with so many fantastic characters from Harv, Lewis, Donna. Um, I forget the name of the, have any of you guys watched all of uh, Suits? No, I've no? watched no? some of it. Woo! I don't know enough So of good. It. It's such a good show. Um, so I couldn't be happier for or thrilled for its success. Now, a lot of people speculated and wondered, like, well, maybe this can create a reunion show, bringing, bring the show back, revival, bring it back. And so a lot of people, including me, got kind of excited at first hearing that they're developing a new show. But it's not Suits, guys. It's not even a revival. It's not a reboot. It's not even a prequel. It's a companion show. Now, basically what this is saying is, this new show is going to exist in the same world as Suits, but it's going to be completely different characters, and it's going to be about a bunch of lawyers in Los Angeles. The How I Met Your Mother of Suits. If, what? I, I never watched How I Met Your Mother. So they had How I Met Your Mother, and right? Then and I then they had father. How I Met Your Father. And it's completely separate? Where it's like, they're all in New York, but it's a new group of friends, and yeah. then like, Kobe Smothers shows up at one episode or something, but yeah, right. it's just the it. same present. Because they go to the same bar. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, there's not even going to be that kind of a connection, apparently. Oh, man. Except they're all going to work in law. Now, listen, if it's being run by the same guy, if it's a legal drama comedy run by the same guy who did Suits, okay, that's still going to have my interest, I, I confess. But I think what I and a lot of other people wanted to hear was that the band was getting back together again. I think that's what everybody really wanted, or at least one or two. Now, it should be noted that there was a Suits spinoff series called Pearson. Now, I forget the name of the actress from Serenity. Uh, she was Mal's second-in-command on Serenity, and I'm forgetting the actress. Gina Torres. Gee, thank you, Gina Torres, yeah. yes. So Gina Torres, who was a major player on Suits, they spun her off, and she had got her own show that I believe only lasted one season, though. And then so she started recurring back on Suits here and there. So they did take a swing at it before, but that was back in the day when Suits was still running. I would love to see the band get to, or even bring one or two. Say Donna now lives in LA and she's helping shepherd these, this growing new law firm or say Harvey or Lewis or any of them. I don't care. Um, but listen, I'm still going to be interested. Anyway, Chris, with Suits being the number one streaming show 12 weeks in a row, I mean, I think we all expected something to happen. Yeah. What do you think about this happening? And do you think this is something that people should get excited about? I didn't expect this to happen. I expected a reunion show, which that still could be on the table. But with the strike, we just can't talk to those actors. That's true. I mean, yeah. one of them got chastised for putting up old behind the scenes photos on social. Yeah. And it was, hey, that's not kosher Yeah, the right guy now. who played Mike. Yeah. Okay. Um, not the spirit, the other guy, right? Yeah, yeah, the okay. other guy. Thank you. Um, I only watched a few of these episodes and they were really fun. I really enjoyed it. I loved Donna, the redhead. She's like She's one of the best so characters funny. ever on TV. She's, She's so, so good. She's so good. And I would love a show that has her in it. I think that'd be wonderful. But I think most people really resonated with that set of characters. You know, um, Reese in the chat here said it's like the 80s show versus the 70s show. Mm. Right. OK, well, maybe the characters pop in, but it's not the same thing. And it feels very NCIS. So now we just have Suits L.A., Suits New Orleans. That is a very good comparison, actually. Like, that's I what just, it does sound like. Yeah. I don't know if that's the move for something like this, because you're not just invested in the fact that it's a 
a legal procedural, you're invested in this specific cast. So I don't know if this is the right move, but it's a move. All right. With that all down, guys, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, there's a brand new MCU movie coming out called The Marvels featuring Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, and I don't know which name they're going to go with her by, whether it's going to be Photon or whatever, but three of them are going to be teaming up for The Marvels. They teased it at the end of Ms. Marvel. Uh, they kind of set it up a little bit at the end of WandaVision, and now it's coming. And by any metric, it looks like a pretty decent opening weekend, except this isn't any metric. This is the MCU. And by MCU standards, it looks like the Marvels is going to open pretty low, again, by Marvel standards. This comes from the folks at Screen Rant who write the following. According to a new box office prediction provided by Box Office Pro, the Marvel's upcoming November 10th release is already facing a potential shortfall with its initial domestic opening expected to generate between 50 and $75 million, less than half of the $153.4 million opening enjoyed by 2019's Captain Marvel. Further adding to the movie's predicted woes, pre-sales are down 69, there you go, percent of the pace of those sold for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and 72% behind the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And again, that came to us from Screen Rant. You know, yesterday I did an open mic and one of the viewers wrote in and said, I'm predicting that's going to make $110 million. Now, this is before this report from Box Office Pro came out. He said, I'm predicting $110 million opening weekend. And I said, you know, I'm looking forward to the movie, but when you combine the fact that other than the last trailer, I don't think the marketing campaign has been particularly good for this movie. When you add on top of that, that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 notwithstanding, Marvel's in a bit of a slump right now, and we're still trying to wash the taste of Secret Invasion out of our mouths. Um, with the status of just things right now, I said, I don't think 110 is realistic. I would say somewhere in the neighborhood of 65. Which then after that, the box office pro thing came out, said between 50 and 75 million. So, so it's right in there. Now to get, put that into a little bit of context, let's look at the opening weekend box office of the last 10 MCU films. Okay. Now remember the Marvels are predicting 50 to 75. Okay. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 opened to 118. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania opened to 106. Black Panther Wakanda Forever opened to 181. Thor, Love and Thunder opened to 144 million. Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness opened with 187 million. Spider-Man No Way Home almost broke the old-time record with an opening weekend of 260 million. You got to go back all the way to the Eternals that had a 71 million, and it may come in under that. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings at 75 million. Black Widow at 80 million. By the way, Black Widow kind of in the midst of the pandemic and was released day and date on Disney Plus. And it still managed to make $80 million. And then Spider-Man Far From Home, which had an opening weekend of $92 million. When you look at it now, at, let's say it makes $70, $75 million opening weekend. That'll put it in the top 10 of the biggest opening weekends of the year. That's good. But when you look at this graphic, and you look at the last 10 MCU films, and you start comparing it to the results of other MCU content, you recognize it as this is a this is a step significant step backwards. Now look, going back to a previous open mic I was doing a couple of weeks ago, maybe about two weeks ago, somebody wrote in and said, "Oh, like I'm, I'm hearing that the pre-sales for Captain Marvel are kind of down." I looked in my theaters, and it looks like the theaters are more than half empty still. And I I honestly said, "Well, 
I didn't even know that the tickets were on sale yet. Like, remember, the Marvels is still a month away. And up until that, somebody like a viewer wrote in about, oh, there's a kind of struggling with the pre-sales. Even I didn't know the tickets and sales. I would venture to bet this. I think 85% of the average movie-going audience doesn't even know tickets are available yet for the Marvels. I, I'd put money on that. I really believe that's true. That still doesn't mean that I think it's going to be big. Can it exceed that $75 million? Yeah, it can. I think it can be bigger than, than Black Widow, maybe. But I think that combination of two of the three characters are from Disney Plus TV shows that not everybody watched. The momentum of the MC right now, I think it's fair to say, is kind of stagnant. Notwithstanding Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Even Kevin Feige now is pulling the plug on some shows. And the fact that we got a lot of other stuff going on, I, I'm just not... That's why yesterday I said I see 65, not 110. I see 65 million as a plausible opening weekend. Anyway, Chris, you see these numbers. You hear mm. Box Office Pro is kind of projecting right now. We're still mm. a month out. Where do you think this thing's going to land? I'm honestly not sure because I was thinking we'd get that uptick because of Guardians. Mm. But Guardians is such an isolated film. It really just exists kind of for is, the yeah. Guardians. And I love that about it. It works really, really nicely. But performing 72% less than Ant-Man Quantumania. That makes me sad. But of course, now Ant-Man Quantumania is part of the problem, right? Exactly. Ant-Man Quantumania, movies like that have added to the, uh, or the reception to Thor Love and Thunder have added to the kind of degradation of the overall impression that people have of the MCU right exactly. now. Exactly. It goes back to the quantity over quality situation yeah. that we have here. And Ant-Man I mean, we all were so hyped about it here. We had so many fun theories. We were talking about all these things, about how this is going to connect to so the greater excited. thing. And bleh, what a warm fart on a cold toilet seat that movie was. It's really disappointing because this is another one that I have been really looking forward to, mostly because of Ms. Marvel. Oh, I me too. 100%. So she's the thing much. I'm looking forward to the most. Oh, I think she's great. And I really like Brie Larson in this role, too. I know some people have issue with her as it for whatever reason. I think she crushes it in this. And if you need further proof of how she's like an actual superhero. If you watch any of her workouts, this girl is so strong. Oh she yeah, that's no, crazy. so crazy strong, putting chains around her waist while she's doing pull-ups. It's insane. I was really looking forward to this. The power switching from the last trailer got a little further explained. We got the plot a little bit more. It seems so interesting, but I don't think audiences fully trust Marvel right now. I do think something that's in its favor is there's not really a lot of other high tentpole movies coming up around this time. We've got Priscilla coming out. Um, I'm trying to think of what else is coming out that week. November? Around November 3rd, Here, November 10th. Here's the other thing. In the marketing mm. campaign, right? Colors of the Flower Moon. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But you look at it, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Kang was very uh, prominent in all the marketing and stuff like that. Yes. Thor Love and Thunder, you had... Uh, Christian Bale was very prominent in all the stuff. Wakanda Forever, Namor, was very prominent. You'd almost forget there's a villain in this movie. Yes. Like you catch a couple of glimpses of some unknown, unnamed, oh, that's the baddie. Mm -hmm. We don't know anything about her, stuff like that. So that's kind of been something that's been, I think, in their marketing campaigns has prevented a lot of people from also getting excited. We don't even know what the central conflict is yeah. at this point. And... I mean, Marvel's never been particularly strong at their villains. They've had a couple of great Ooh, ones. but They've got a big villain problem because everyone ends up being a jobber. 
They're right. there for one movie, and then it's unless ha-ha. you're Thanos or unless you're Loki. Loki. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe this new character can be a Loki. Doesn't look like it. Certainly not treating it like it. Anyway, guys, they're saying that the number is going to be 50 to 75. I'm projecting about 65 right now, but it, it could go higher. It could hit 80, 85, 90, I guess. But it's still going to be overall pretty big for the year, but pretty low for an MCU film. Uh, where do you guys think that thing's going to land? All right. Listen, guys, with all that down, we're now going to go over and start taking your guys' thoughts, theories, opinions, and questions. But before we do, we're going to take another quick moment and thank another sponsor of today's episode, the main sponsor of our YouTube channel, actually, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, the great folks at Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show podcast okay guys with that down let's get over and start taking your questions we're going to start off with those of you guys watching live and sending in super chat chats so chris what do we got we have from guzman the trailer for beekeeper is okay but silent night will be the superior revenge movie Rick Flag, John Woo, Sun Killed, Focal Cords Damage, Christmas! That looks pretty cool, too. <laughs> I think Beekeeper and Silent Night are both going to kind of come in the same way. I don't expect either of them to be exceptional movies, but I was saying this on my on Open Mic yesterday, I am a sucker for righteous vengeance movies. Like, they killed my daughter. Kill them all! They, they killed the nice lady who was being good to me with, you know, with phone scams murder every one of them. Like, I love righteous vengeance movies. And did you see the trailer for this one with Rick Flagg, Ray? No, I just know because you're such a big... For the Beekeeper. Yeah. For the Beekeeper? No, for Silent, Silent Night. Night. Oh, no, no, I haven't. Oh, it's it's another thing. Like, his... Like, so their gangs get into a fight and his little child is one of I the collateral like damage. And he gets shot and he loses his vocal cords and he can't speak. And it's called Silent Night. And it's just him going out and murdering everybody. It's just that and Beekeeper. I'm really excited about both of them. All right, what's next? Oh. From Demaris Love, just finished Gen V binge to catch up, and holy moly, this show is amazing. Oh, my God. I love this show so much. You know, last night's episode, it just kind of drove home to me that really uh, one of the big things that this show is about is about the college experience. But it's being told through metaphor of these superpowered beings, but at the end of the day... It's actually these real experiences, whether it's the complications of relationships, the the trying to figure out your social status in, in the place that you're in, all that kind of stuff. Like some of it was just, it's profoundly good. 
And then you get into the superpowered stuff and it's just ridiculous. But I'll tell you what, there was, I don't know if you saw last night's episode or not, Chris. Mm -mm. The puppet fight. There's a puppet fight? Oh, it's more a puppet slaughter. <sighs> um, the, the basic gist is this. Yeah, there, there's a, cam a character we've been introduced to, Sam. Mm -hmm. And he obviously has some issues. And he's will see people. Who's, what's jo what's jo uh, John Ritter's son's name again? Jack Ritter. Jack, Jack Ritter. Ritter. Stop talking to me, actor Jack Ritter. <laughs> so anyway, so what happens is a bunch of sh soldiers show up to get him. But he goes into this imaginary place a little bit where he sees them all as puppets and he sees himself as puppets, as a puppet. And all these floods of soldiers come in and I kind of understand why they did it as puppets. Because I have never seen more horrific, gruesome, graphic puppet violence. Felt on felt action. Ever in my life. Like we're talking about driving his fist in and then standing there and ripping out intestines, tearing heads off, to reaching be fair, out, puppets pulling out, are all used this to kind fisting. of stuff, right? And he's doing all this stuff and murdering these puppets. But then when the smoke clears, he close, Sam closes his eyes, puppet Sam closes his eyes and then opens his eyes again and he's back to real. And then the camera pans back to the carnage of the real physical bodies. Ooh. And you realize, oh, that was all real. That wasn't just in his head. <laughs> so you get this really profound social commentary, more relatable kind of stories, and then the utter ridiculousness of it. I am loving this show, my friend. I'm glad you liked the episode last night. Hold on, John. <clears throat> this looks good. Oh, What's he just watched. Are you looking at pictures of that? It looks good, man. <laughs> right? It has Kid Cudi in it, too? Oh. Come on. All right, what's next? Oh, it's Jason, Jason Ritter. Ritter. I looked it Jason up. Jason Ritter. Is, okay, yeah, Jason I'm thinking Ritter. Jack Houston. From Ian A. Barth. John, you're going to love the Eras Tour concert movie. There's no Nicole Kidman ad. Oh, that's right, because oh. they're not even letting AMC use A-list. They can't use their own promotion before yeah. it. Ann and I seriously thought, we thought we're going to watch Gen V and we're going to watch Loki. And then we can still get tickets and go and be 45 minutes late. And we thought about it. We thought about doing it, but but we didn't. But oh. uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm hearing good things. I'm Here seeing this movie at my bedtime. I'm going to a 9 p.m. showing of this movie. Tonight? Oh. Yes. You got to let me know how it too is. Late. That, that's, and that's a two and a half hour movie. It's two hours and 48 minutes, John. Well, Tomorrow's Saturday. Saturday. You'll be fine. It's a good thing you don't have to get up I teach starting at 8 a.m. And, and I teach till 4. Oh, dear. All right. It's what's gonna next? It's going to be a Sunday. Power teach. From TJ Perry. Netflix's Castlevania Nocturne was incredible. Netflix animation is killing it. Cyberpunk, Edge Runners, Arcane, Castlevania were all unreal. Ooh. Castlevania's been good. Arcane, though. Arcane's bananas. It's so good. I can talk Arcane all day. It, it Without exaggeration, and I know it's only had one season. It is my all-time favorite animated show. It's so e Like, good. easily my all-time favorite animated show. I, I just cannot believe how good that is. And and somehow, some way, they've continued to make Castlevania really good as well. Mm -hmm. Very I'm excited different to watch shows. Oh, Very yeah. Very different shows. So right. bloody. What's next? From Sector Forbes, first some support. And then, so he gave us a $15 super chat. Total. Oh, thank, thank you, you Sector. Sector. Last night's episode of Gen V was amazing. It was a perfect example of the strength of storytelling and that you don't need a big budget of money to wow your audiences. Hashtag Puppet Massacre. I'm telling you, it was. It's, there are like seven moments in the boys universe that you could point to and say, that is an all-time memorable scene. And that is a, the puppet slaughter 
is going to go down for me as one of the all-time memorable scenes. It was just pretty. And and by the way, the twist, the twist that comes a little bit later in the episode, I did not see it coming. I thought they played it great. I loved it. Anyway. All right. What's next? From the Fusion Bros, one of two. Hi, everyone. Can you explain why a concert film like the Taylor Swift movie isn't considered an asterisk with regards to box office and comparing it its box office to actual movies? Is this movie news? I ask not out of hate for Taylor Swift, but the contrary. Because it's Taylor Swift, isn't it a given and expected that this would be a huge success? Why would studios care about this? What's the correlation? Thanks. And they gave about an $18 super chat. So oh, thank, thank you so you much, that. the Fusion Bros. So, okay. Devil's after a second. Couldn't you say, well, it's an Avengers movie. Obviously, it's going to make a billion dollars, right? Look, a, a movie... Lots of different things are movies. Like some people try to argue that documentaries aren't actual movies. Yes, they are. You know, like when you take cameras, again, film instructor Dove S.S. Simmons, who Quentin Tarantino recommended. And so I went and took his course. But one of the most memorable things I've ever remembered about film instruction, about movies in general, was one of the very first things Dove said when he started his seminars was, if you want to know how to make a movie, here's how you make a movie. Get some friends, stand them in front of your camera, start recording on the camera and say action. Two hours later, stop recording and say cut. You've made a movie. I mean, what is a movie? I just call it on-screen entertainment, right? And there's many different shapes and sizes of it. But yeah, if they took all this footage that they recorded and then edited it together in a certain way and created a visual presentation of it and it's playing in theaters, it's a movie. It's a movie. Now, studios got their knickers in a twist because they knew that being in movie theaters was going to stomp their movies. And they're not wrong. It is stomping their movies. So that's why all these other movies, these studios had movies planned around that date. And then all of a sudden, this nuclear Taylor Swift bomb dropped right in the middle of it. And all the studios started scattering like rats when the light came on, moving their movies away from it. So that's why they care. That's why they got they got a little bit upset. But yeah, it is 100% a movie in the same vein that any animation is a movie, that any documentary is a movie. This is a movie. And it's a different kind of movie. Absolutely, yes. But a movie nonetheless. And uh, that's why it's legit movie news. That's why the studios care. And uh, it's going to be pretty big box office. And uh, now, listen, you can say to, well, well, it's Taylor Swift. She's one of the biggest stars in the world. Of course, it's going to make lots of money. Really? Because there have been other concert videos in the world. We can laugh and joke about Justin Bieber all we want. But Justin Bieber was one of the period, biggest period stars period in the world. When he put out never, not never stop, never stopping. Uh, uh, <laughs> never That's Lonely it. Island, what was which it called? is so good. Uh, now I gotta look it up. The, Justin Bieber, never Bieber fever. Never I don't say know. never. Never, never say, say never. never. Yes, right. Never. I I personally prefer never stop, never stopping. But Justin Bieber, never say never. Right? They made that. They put that that concert film. It made grand total worldwide. What was it? Seventy nine million dollars or something like that. So no, it's not a given. So just something to keep in mind. All right, what's next? 
from Shamrock Vibes. Chris, I had difficulty with the Cockney accent. I had to play a tramp. London has different variants and it's evolved the last 40 years due to many different cultures, which is brilliant. North London is easier to do. Yep, there's tons and tons of different regional dialects within London. That's one of the things my husband Logan specializes in. There is just, there is something about my brain though and the Cockney dialect that I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I end up sounding Australian. And I think it's because what we came up with was the very, the most base stereotypical thing was Cockney, you want to fight. Australian, you want to flirt. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just a little sweetie. I don't want to fight anybody. Is it weird? Am I the only one that whenever I see an actor use an English accent, I immediately pull out the Paul Rudd in Saving Sarah or leaving or uh, fight. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting Sarah. Oh, Marshall. Finding Sarah Marshall. Leaving Sarah Marshall. <laughs> leaving, discovering Sarah Marshall. Never forgetting say never. Sarah Marshall's like, you sound like you're fucking Oh, one of the greatest lines ever. All right, what's next? From Guzman, Reborn as a Vending Machine, I Now Wander the Dungeon, is an actual anime and is kind of good. Hmm. Maybe there's hope for the sentient microphone movie. <gasps> Felipe. Yeah, Felipe, the sentient dance. Can I, by the way, just remind myself. So my, my wife, Anna, and I went around. This is totally side note, but your question reminded me of it. Talk about, what was it called? Reincarnate as a Vending Machine? Uh, yeah. As a Vending Machine, I Now Wander Reborn the as a Vending Machine, okay. I Now Wander the so Dungeon. So last night, Anna and I are going out and we're looking for costumes because- and needs to have like eight costumes every Halloween season. Anyway, so we're shopping around and I got to tell you about this one. We found a costume. At first I didn't get it. And then I start, then I noticed it and I started laughing my ass off. It's a costume of a breathalyzer. So it's a guy in this costume. It's kind of a big box. It looks like it's got lights, oh, whatever, no. blah, blah, blah. And then down no. in the nether region, oh, the hose oh, and his no. blow here. And I was like, oh my God. And of course, Anne started laughing so hard she was worried she was going to pee. But, Anne um, can wear it. If you, yeah. see, if you see somebody else in a costume. Oh, I, I'm not wearing it. I just thought that was very funny. <laughs> Only Anne can. The breathalyzer. Or the Olive, because she's so sweet and proper. Uh, all right, what's next? <laughs> um, from Disgraceful Entertainment. Well, I'm not happy that the actor strike won't end. The silver lining is we get more John Cena in WWE, <laughs> and hopefully The Rock will come back too. Cena. Oh, <laughs> when I when I was telling Anne about the current situation last night between the in the strike negotiations, Anne just said, "Well, I guess everybody's going to join WWE now." <laughs> it's all of a sudden George Clooney in a cage match because. <laughs> That's, I want to see that now. I would love that. <laughs> With him just like sipping He's from an espresso. Like, <laughs> we're in a tight uh, spot. Oh, man. All right. What's next? Uh, from Jose Armes, Xbox closes Activision acquisition. Oh. Yeah. It's it's done. There would, they had some hurdles thrown in their way, but Microsoft bought Activision. Wow. And correct me if I'm wrong, Activision owns Blizzard. So that means like freaking Diablo, World of Warcraft, Starcraft, all that stuff. That all belongs to Microsoft now. It's going to be interesting to see how that uh, kind of evolves. All right, what's next? From uh, Demaris Love, spit in her face, no. Now RKO or F5, that's an option? I don't know what F5 is. Uh, well, oh, RKO is and an F5 yeah. are oh. the finishing moves of Randy Orton and Brock Lesnar. That's how they would uh, do yes. discussions, <laughs> yes. like, apparently. You know, I'll, I'll stick with the turning the table over and being upset. I'm not going to try to. It's a classic to. Italian move to flip a table. Oh, oh it very is. Yeah. Oh, but you know what? Help me out here. So the RKO, mm -hmm. that's just another version of the diamond cutter, is it not? It is the diamond cutter. It's basically. the diamond cutter. They just give it a different name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Randy Orton is a great wrestler. All right, what's next? 
From Tim Platt. Hey, Chris, can we support you by downloading that book on Audible? If so, what's the name of it? And I'm on it ASAP. Oh, Tim, that's very sweet of you. Um, I narrated a book called uh, Quarantine Life back during the pandemic, which was very emotionally draining because I was talking about a pandemic while alone without human contact. <laughs> um, but I don't... I don't get residuals from that. I don't get sales from that. I was paid very nicely, though, on it. And you can support my friend who ended up hiring me to do that job, the amazing Dr. Kari Nixon. So definitely still download that. Um, if you want to help support me, I've got my own podcast that you can go check out, too. It's all on my Instagram. So you, know, you just gave me an idea. Mm -hmm. I wrote a book called The Pride. Mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of people ask me to make an audio version of it. But I ain't reading it. Mm -hmm. I should talk to you about you narrating it. Hell yeah. And reading it. Because one of the reasons I wouldn't read is because I can't do voices of characters. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't, I just, I, every character would sound exactly the same to me. Might I interest you in my Wilson Fisk? <laughs> yes. <laughs> to read uh, oh my gosh. this novel yeah. you're me speaking of. Me and Jonathan of. will do it. I'll read all the lady parts. Is there a character named Vanessa like in, in this <laughs> novel you speak of? <laughs> All right, what's Pretty next? Perfect. Uh, from Logan, a $20 super check. I don't know, here's 20. Oh, thank you, Logan. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> I'm so doubtful that's mine. Here's 20. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for that. All right, what's next? From FX Star Lord, the chat needs Ray's input on everything. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Everybody wants to know what Ray thinks about yeah. everything. I'm just thinking about food, man. I, I'll tell you what, seriously. So I, I, I think I said this, did I say this yesterday? I was... And I went, we're going camping for the evenings this week. We go to the campground and stay for the evenings and then come back for work. And as I'm sitting by the fire one night, Anne wasn't there. She was still back at work. She hadn't come up and joined me yet. Sitting by the fire one night and this gentleman was walking his dog by my campsite and came walking over and said, John Campia, the John Campia show. I'm like, yeah. He goes, I didn't know if it was you, but then I realized you're wearing the same shirt that you're wearing on the show this morning. I'm like, cool. And then the very, after that was established that I was John Campia, the very first thing, the little bit of a pause then. Is Ray here? Oh, like dead serious. That was the thing. Is Ray here? And looking around, seeing if you should have said something cool like, "Oh man, you went to go looking for some bears." To rest <laughs> he went looking for bears. He's he's off helping the strike negotiations right now. They <laughs> called in Ray as the great negotiator. As I, the yeah, he's he's there playing the middleman. I All had right, that happen at Regal and Trader Joe's because I was wearing the same clothes. Where they'd be like. I'm, I'm watching your show right now. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, that's, that's always that's funny. You guys need to change when you go home first. Apparently. And then go the, out. The Trader Joe's cashiers were not impressed, too, because they went, oh, are you famous or something? <laughs> oh, oh I, that sounds like a Trader Joe's right? cashier I'm thing. Like, oh, I do, a, I do a movie news show on the internet. Oh. Yeah. No, it was the same thing. I'm, I'm sitting playing poker <laughs> a couple weeks ago in, in Vegas, and these guys are walking by the table, and they stop, and they, like, come over, like, in the middle of the game, and, like, John Campy, you play like, blah, 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 blah. and then like, there's a couple of minutes pass and finally says, okay, I'll ask, are you like famous or something? I'm like, I'm on the internet. Yeah. And they're like, oh. oh. No one's ever impressed once. It's, I work on the internet. On Ew. the internet. Like mm. they want to hear, it's no. like, are you an ESPN comedy? No. I'm, 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 I'm on YouTube. I do, I do shit on the oh. internet. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's next? From uh, Zeus Fleming. Oh yeah. Zeus Fleming sending in some support. So thank, thank you, Zeus. Zeus. And from Andy. The travesty of Taylor Swift. We made it to the 50, and then you kissed me. We made it to the 40, a new love story. We made it to the 30, and you did me dirty. <laughs> you put the end in tight end. Do, 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 do. I can't do, remember do, who do, it was, do, if it was do, Ray do. or one of our viewers. We've all been trying to come Andy. up. Yeah, it was Andy. Yeah. It was travesty. Right. We've all been trying to come up with a great, what's going to be the title of Taylor's breakup song with 
uh, with Travis Kelsey. Ray came up with one the other day called You're the Real Tight End. Oh, yeah. Um, but then, some, <laughs> then one of our viewers said, no, her breakup song that. with Travis Come Kelsey on. should be Travesty. I mean, I'm like, that is a winner. That's a winner for all time. All right, let's get over and start taking some topics from our YouTube channel members, shall we? And by the way, thank you to all of you guys who are YouTube channel members. Your support of our channel is so deeply appreciated. Thank you for being a channel member. And all the rest of you, consider being channel members as well. All right, what are our channel members saying? From Dr. Stinky. Hey, John and crew. This episode of Loki felt like an actual episode of television. Really good. I loved every bit of it. My favorite part was the young adult hitting on Sylvie. I give it a <laughs> solid 8.5. This is starting strong. It's off to, look, the first two episodes are down. They're off to a really good start. Um, the primacy of Loki was one of the big, my big points, and they're doing that. There is a great kind of scene with Loki and Brad, if those of you know it. Now, look, it kind of does highlight a problem with the MCU that they've always been very inconsistent with what exactly are Loki's powers. Because sometimes he pulls out these powers that we never knew he had, and then there's other times when he could really use those powers, but they forget all about them still. But he tells this one line, like somebody complaining, he's like, come on, that's not fair. We make it a fair fight. And Loki just goes, this isn't a fair fight. <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, it was so good. Yeah, I really liked the episode of Loki last night. All right, what's next? From Red One Real Talk, I have to say, on top of everything else I love about Gen V, their use of puppets is sensational. <laughs> How would y'all feel about getting a super-powered Kermit into the mix on this series? No, don't cross those streams. Don't cross those streams. Let, leave Kermit alone. Hashtag leave Kermit alone. <laughs> so no, don't leave Kermit out of it. But I did love what they did. All right. I hope they don't go back to it too much, though. I hope like it was great. It was awesome. Don't make it too regular of a thing because it was awesome the way it is. Don't overplay it. All right. What's next? From CJ Rebirth. The part in Elemental that made me go give these two a voice acting award is when Wade starts to evaporate because he's stuck in the room with Ember. Oh. I'm still in shock, too, that Wade's voiced by the guy in JW Dominion who helps out Alan, Ellie, and Owen's daughter into the subtrain. There are so many great moments of, of Elemental. You know, it, unfortunately, the movie got off to a really slow start at the box office, and that became the story. The movie itself wasn't the story. It was, here's what happens when Pixar dumps all their movies on streaming and then try to come back. Nobody looks at it and blah, blah, blah. And, like, it was really struggling. Thankfully, later on, it found legs and people just kept going and going and going and going. And whereas people didn't even think like me that I was even going to hit 200 million across two, 250, 300, 350, 400 million and started getting up closer to 500 million dollars. It's a wonderful movie. If you have not seen Elemental yet, strongly recommend it. It's a fabulous movie. It's beautiful. All right. What's next? From Alan. Happy Taylor Swift Day, Camping Crew. <laughs> Hope you all have your outfits ready for the concert. Just... I don't know I don't what think to say we do. I, I have options. Do. do you have options? <laughs> I do. I'm very excited. And then Logan was real sweet where I was like, hey, do you know what you're going to wear? He went, clothes? What are you talking about? I was like, no, we have to get dressed up because it's also my friend Tiffany's birthday and it's a whole event. He's like, I don't, why do, why? Why do Pick I have to do one of her anything? random ex-boyfriends and have him dress up as that. I really want him to go as the scarf that she, uh, that Jake Gyllenhaal never gave back to her. <laughs> I want to just have him just like in just a wrapped up sweater. on just a yeah. scarf. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's next? Fun. From Andy Strong. Hey, everyone. I've just caught up on the fi uh, finale of Succession. And what a bittersweet and fitting inclusion. Yeah. With the series being so popular, do you think we're likely to see a spinoff or a prequel following the rise of a young Logan Roy anytime soon? Thanks and bring on the filthy. I don't think so. And the reason I don't think so is because I remember hearing the showrunner talking a little bit about that. Like we told the story of the Roy's. 
And now we're going to, I'm going to move on and make other shows now. So probably not. I still don't know how I feel about the very ending. I kind of thought maybe it should have gone another direction. But I mean, look, at the end of the day, they were all still filthy, stinking rich. So was there any losers? Was there? All right. What's next? From Fanjecture, what did you think of the network, uh, the newest oh, Wonka trailer? Loved it. I thought it elevated the magical essence the movie is going to feel after Paddington 1 and 2. I'm excited for Paul King's next directorial outing. I I'll, haven't seen this new one. I'll tell you what, it dropped yesterday. Okay. You know, I'm part of the reason I'm excited about it is because Paul King is directing it. Paddington 1 and 2 are, are two of the strongest two-part movies ever. I, and I don't mean that facetiously. They are magical. Absolutely magical movies. I love the Paddington films. And, but the new trailer felt like a Paul King movie. The other ones didn't. I mean, I like the other trailers, but the other, they, this one felt like it. They also realized, hey, people love Hugh Grant as the Oopa Loopa. So they lean a little bit more into that in the trailer. It's got, they are also very much heavily going, went into and publicizing from the producer of Harry Potter. This trailer felt a little Harry Potter-ish. In many ways, I thought the trailer was great. Um, but again, you know, a lot of people, oh, it's going to say, but listen, I, the main thing to judge, and it can be right and wrong, but if you can only pick one factor to determine if you think a movie looks like it has potential or not, it's who's the director. Paul King is awesome. And he knows how to deliver great warmth, great personality, wonderful humor, solid story. He just knows how to do that. And if he can bring some of that to Wonka and you got some of the world's most talented performers in it, th this could be very good. This could be very, very good. We'll, we'll see, but the trailer was great. All right, what's next? From uh, Jeb Hurst. When the world is on fire, like now, I gravitate towards comfort. Uh, comfort food, shows, music, movies, mm. etc. Do you guys have anything you comfort watch to distract you from hard times? Ooh. Yes, I have a couple of movies that I do. They're not even, this is the funny thing about these movies. They're not even anywhere near being on my list of my all-time favorite movies. They're just movies I know I can always go to and I'm just comfortable watching them, especially when things are crappy. Um, Zoolander, the first Zoolander. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can watch that anytime. Drop of a hat. Somebody says, comes to me today, say, want to sit down and watch Zoolander? Yes, I'll do that. Um, Galaxy Quest is another one I can just pop on anytime, watch it start to finish. Some of the better ones, I can pop on a Lord of the Rings film at any time. I think most people can. Um, and my all-time favorite comedy, 40-Year-Old Virgin. So those are my, like, if I'm having a dark time, which, let's face it, we all have dark times. And when I'm having a dark time, I just, like, go to the freezer, get a bowl of ice cream, pour a soda, Make myself comfortable on the sofa, get Lily or Shadow, my dogs, come sit beside me and pop on any of those movies. Just makes the world a bit of a better place for me when that happens. You got any of those movies for that? For oh, you? yeah. I mean, any Muppet movie, obviously. Um, Decoy Bride is one I go back to a lot. The It's more of a show, but the first episode of Middle, Middle Dish and Shorts, their long form improv, it's like an hour long. That always gets me through the stuff. Um, and then, this is ridiculous, and I apologize. But lately, because everything's been so dog shit, I have really enjoyed the schadenfreude of watching Love is Blind. Oh, God. Because <laughs> it's also set in Houston, where I'm from. And so there's a mix of, oh, I know that restaurant. Oh, that's Allen Parkway. Followed by these dumb, dumb dildos. And it makes me feel better about myself and my choices. <laughs> but have you watched Naked Attraction yet? I haven't watched Naked Attraction, aside from the one time my mom's 
screamed about oh, that's it. That's right. Why is he naked? What's the game? What's watch at least the first episode of Naked okay. Attraction. I need to do that one. And just remember this phrase: elephant tattoo. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah, you'll see what we're talking about. All right, let's take a couple. I wonder more. what it What's could next? be. What could it be? What um, is it? <laughs> Jay Superboy. Hey, John, Brad, fair fight. Loki, this isn't a fair fight. Love, keep it filthy. Love that line. Absolutely. Uh, elevate Loki. He's the god of mischief. He nearly conquered the world. He's he's not some just side joke. He's super funny, but do that. And that little scene was chef's kiss. Loved it. It was fantastic. All right, what's next? From, no, not that. Oh, there we go. <laughs> From Ian Barth. John, oh, yeah, we already read this one. You're going to love the Aristor concert. There's no Nicole oh, yeah. in that. Yep. Uh, Esteban Reyes, how could anyone pay $400 million for the rights for The Exorcist and then take no risks with it? Damn. Ooh. I don't know what you mean by take no risks with it. Every time you make anything, you're taking a risk. I don't know how anybody pays $400 million for the rights to The Exorcist. Th That's that, a risk. By the way. <laughs> That's the risk. Yeah. That is not a commentary on whether I think The Original Exorcist is a great movie or not, but I'm thinking a $400 million investment into it today is not a very good risk. Any more than I think the people who just bought the rights to Halloween, I don't think that was a very good investment either, but it's kind of nuts that way. All right. Last one of the day. What's next? Ooh. From Dildar, the glorious. <laughs> Happy Friday the 13th. Going to watch Freddy versus Jason tonight to celebrate. Fun fact. Rey Mysterio was Robert England's stunt double for the action scenes. Really? What? That's what? fun to know. Crazy. I d There's no way. How? How? Who? What? Now, <laughs> I, some people may not remember this, but for, I thought Freddy vs. Jason was a really bad movie, and I hated the ending. But after that movie, I mean, they were a breath away from making Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. Um, that it was, it was, it was all negotiations. People were being secured for, you know, the writing actors had been talked to all this kind of stuff. For those of you who don't know who Ash is, that's the primary character of the evil dead movies. And they were looking at doing Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. And it got really close. They came very close to making that movie. It's the one they should have made instead of Freddy versus Jason, yeah. to be honest with you. I mean, that's the cross that had so much potential. I wish they, I still wish they would do it to this day. That'd be fun. I would go see it. I'd watch I the hell out Bruce of that movie. I love Bruce Campbell. Oh, man. All right. And with that down, guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making the show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions, whether you're our channel members or you use the Super Chat feature. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. I want to thank the people in the room with me, Mr. Ray Ora. Have a good weekend. Jonathan Voico. See ya. The wonderful Chris Carr. Be safe, you guys. My name's Sean Campy, guys. Have a fabulous weekend. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.